Hey everybody, welcome back to Sacred City Vision Drip Podcasts. Pastor Sam here, and I realize it's been a while. It's been a while since I've jumped on here and um, done a little podcast. It's been a busy season. We've it's really a busy quarter. We've had um, worldview seminars and parenting seminars and a new sermon series, which has required a lot of extra study. Um, as we enter into the discussion about gender and sexuality and our origins and what we were made for and purpose and all those things, really, really monstrous topics. Um, And so I've been investing a lot more time into study lately to to be as informed and um, concise as possible as as we're preaching through the sermon series. Um, And so that means that this podcast has sort of fallen on the back burner, not because I don't want to do it, uh, I do. I wish I had had more time to do it, um, but it just kind of in the priority level of things, it kind of slipped back down the priority list. But today, I, I want to just jump on very briefly here today. It's a little, little uh, Holy Week episode, given that this week is Holy Week Sunday. Um, last Sunday was Palm Sunday, um, acknowledging Jesus as he rode into Jerusalem on the back of a colt, a donkey. Um, as people were were ripping off palm branches from trees and laying them down, saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Very, very much a um, uh, f- foreshadowing um, this reality of, of Jesus coming in as a, a king to the city of Jerusalem. And then, of course, we, we move forward in the week. Um, and, and Monday, Thursday, actually, is the first of, of the series of Holy Week Holy Weekend activities. Monday, Thursday acknowledges uh, the Last Supper, where Jesus was in the upper room with his disciples, and he he did a series of teachings, and of course he instituted the Lord's Supper there, um, and he broke the bread, said, "This is my body uh, that's been broken for you. Take and eat. This is the the cup of of the new covenant, holding up the the cup of chalice of wine. Um, this is my blood that's that's poured out for you. It's it's the cup of the new covenant shed for the forgiveness of sins. So that's Monday, Thursday." And then that night, as Jesus and his disciples go out to the Garden of Gethsemane uh, to pray, Jesus knows that the hour is drawing near where he would be betrayed um, and turned over to the the religious authorities and then ultimately um, to the the Roman authorities. And he would be sentenced um, to death, crucified, and then um, silent Saturday where nothing happens. Jesus is in the grave. So Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday morning is Resurrection Sunday, which is the most joyous of all celebrations in the church calendar. This is why we have hope as Christians and something I'm really looking forward to. And so just for a quick plug here for our our weekend services, while we don't have a a Monday, Thursday service, we do have a a Good Friday service at 7 p.m. that sort of um, pulls in the events of Monday, Thursday, and, and recounts the story of uh, the Last Supper and its significance. And then Good Friday telling the story of, of Jesus' betrayal, arrest, uh, his trial, his uh, unjust trial, and then ultimately his crucifixion. And then uh, Resurrection Sunday on Sunday morning, April 9th, uh, 10 a.m., we'll join together with uh, millions of Christians around the world to celebrate uh, the most... Uh, miraculous thing that God has ever done is raise his son uh, from the dead, which gives us hope of resurrection and new life in Christ. And so we're going to be celebrating a lot. Obviously, uh, Good Friday is more of a funeral. Um, it's, it's a heavy um, service of shadows, a tenebrae service. Um, so it's going to feel dark and, and, and our readers are, and, and band will be dressed uh, in dark clothes as if they're, they're um, 
you know, facilitating or, or, or officiating a funeral of sorts um, as they lead us through the passion narrative and some songs that, that accompany that very well. Um, and then Resurrection Sunday is a big party. It's like, um, it's, you know, it's, it's an incredible Sunday. And so I, I really do hope that you're making use of those invitation cards that we've put in your hands over the last few weeks, um, inviting friends and family, neighbors, coworkers, uh, people at the gym that you're working out with, any, literally anybody. It's just so easy to hand one of those, hey, I don't know what you're doing Sunday. I don't know what you're doing Friday night, but here, here's an invitation that I, I want you to come uh, and, and hear what uh, this weekend is all about. This is why this is a significant weekend um, for me as a Christian, and, and, and I want you to hear what, what happened. Uh, share that, and be sure you say, listen, I, I got a spot for you. I'll, sa- I'll save you a spot. Uh, and so really just want to encourage you guys to live like missionaries here. Um, you know, ramp it up in these next few days as we approach Holy Weekend. Now, the second part of what I wanted to just address real briefly here in this podcast was to just take a minute to, I don't know, to bring you into a facet of the piece of the story, uh, of the passion story, as it's called. Um, if you've been reading along with us in our Feast of Flourish Bible reading plan, um, you will you know that we're towards the tail end of Luke's gospel. Um, next Tomorrow we'll finish it up. But uh, Luke 22, 23, um, to 23 was our, our passage for today in our New Testament passage. And as, as I was reading this, I, I was struck by this reality of um, Jesus before Pilate. It's, it's sort of a unique um, passage or a very special interaction, I, I think. One that that um, oftentimes we, we just sort of glance over um, and, and don't appreciate the, the significance or the gravity of what, what's going on here in this moment. Now, Jesus... Throughout the Gospel of Luke, we see that Jesus has come preaching and and um, instructing. He's come um, performing miracles to show people what the kingdom of God is like, and he's drawn a crowd to himself. People are are intrigued by Jesus. They realize that he teaches um, not as the scribes or the Pharisees, but one who has true authority. Um, and and this reality of who Jesus is and the way that he he conducts himself uh, really intimidates the religious leaders. And throughout this whole story, the the Gospel of Luke and other Gospels, you see the jealousy of the Pharisees and the religious leaders toward Jesus. They don't like what he's doing. They feel threatened by him. They're jealous of what he's able to do and and sort of the esteem that he has uh, among the people. And this sends them into a tailspin of of jealousy and wanting to ruin this man. Um, and so throughout the story, we see them trying to like take stabs at Jesus, trying to catch him in his words so they can bring him to trial. And they finally have had enough of Jesus and they're looking to just pin something on him, trying to, trying to get him in trouble and, and to be able to conduct a, um, a trial so that he will be shushed and not uh, be able to carry on his ministry. And so um, what they want to do is to, to have Jesus arrested, but they couldn't do it in broad daylight, especially in Jerusalem um, after, um, you know, Palm Sunday and all, where people are excited about Jesus being in, in the city and um, recognizing him as, as um, the one who comes in the name of the Lord. They realize they can't do it in broad daylight, so they, they go to secrecy. They're afraid of the people. We're told many times in Luke's gospel that they're afraid. Fear drives the religious leaders to do what they're doing. Um, and so they, they do so by, they get Judas to betray Jesus in the dead of night. Um, they betray him with a kiss, and, and they come and they arrest Jesus, and they, they put him before the council, and they hold this illegal uh, trial. Um, it should not have been done. In the, in the night, they cannot get 
witnesses who can get their stories to match and they're just smudging the truth like crazy. And then they go from the council and they bring him to Pilate. Pilate's like the third man on the totem pole. And uh, you, you've got Caesar who's uh, up on the top and then below him is King Herod um, who's reigning over the land of Judea. And then you have um, Pontius Pilate who, who's um, reigning more over the, the territory of Jerusalem and surrounding areas. And so um, they bring... Jesus to the civil authorities. So you have the religious authorities of the religious leaders who, who want to end Jesus. They can't do it. It's unlawful for them to kill Jesus. So they go to the civil uh, magistrate who has the, the sword, um, who can, who can punish evil. And they try to convince Pilate that Jesus has done something wrong that, that, and, and of course, if you've read the story, Jesus is sinless. He doesn't, hasn't done a single thing wrong. Um, he is, honored God and kept the commandments of God. Um, and so they, they're trying to get Jesus in trouble with him so that the civil magistrate can kill Jesus or, or put him to death. And so we see Jesus brought before Pilate and Pilate this whole time is very suspect of what's going on. You, you see that, you know, he at one point he says, I find no guilt in this man. I want nothing to do with him. You got Pilate's wife who tells him, listen, don't, don't do anything to this Jesus guy. I've been having dreams. Um, it doesn't go well for you, right? His name, Pilate's name will, will be infamous, but not for the right reasons. It'll be because he is the one responsible. And, and Jesus later on, uh, in, I think it's Matthew's gospel, uh, or John's gospel. Um, Jesus sort of absolves him a, a bit of the responsibility of the situation. Say it's not, it's, you know, um, the one who delivered, uh, me over to you has the greater sin than Pilate. So anyway, um, they get before Pilate and, and what I was struck by today, this is the whole I'm rambling at this point. The thing about this, this passage that struck me today is this reality that Jesus, as he stands before Pilate, he doesn't just stand before Pilate as an ordinary man. Um, it would be right. It, it would not be shocking if an ordinary man who broke the law, who was in legal trouble, would have to go before a magistrate and to give a defense, um, or, or you know, have a trial um, to to assert his innocence. And and typically, what you have uh, most cases, especially somebody who's been falsely accused, is you've got you have a a. Um, have a defendant who is going to argue their case hard. Um, they're going to appeal to other witnesses and they're going to make all, you know, and we just don't see that with Jesus. Jesus, he, he a little bit, he talks a little bit and, and kind of answers a few questions. And, and then he starts to sort of hush up because he knows, he knows that this is trending uh, towards his death. But this whole interaction and in Luke 23 of Jesus before Pilate, what struck me is that Jesus, he's not just an ordinary man before Pilate. Um, and, and if Jesus were an ordinary man before Pilate, you, you have this correct power structure, this authority structure that Pilate is the civil authority. He's a civil magistrate that God has ordained him um, as, a, as a minister of justice and righteousness in the civil sphere to uphold what is good and to punish what is evil. And so it would be right for your ordinary civilian um, citizen to to uh, be subjected to that authority. But Jesus doesn't stand before Pilate as just an ordinary man. Jesus stands before Pilate um, also as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So, so in another 
way, Jesus outranks Pilate. And, and then when he gets sent to, to Herod, Jesus outranks Herod. And if he were to get boosted up to Caesar, which he doesn't, but um, Jesus would outrank Herod and all of the kings of the earth. Uh, because Jesus is King of Kings uh, and Lord of Lords, and so this questioning, where where the religious leaders accuse Jesus of, of trying to uh, mislead the people, they're telling they're, uh, Jesus is telling the people that they can't give tribute to Caesar, and they say that Jesus is the Christ, He's the King, and and then Pilate asks him, "Are you the King of the Jews?" And in some way, uh, I mean, the the answer to that is yes. Jesus is the king of the Jews, but not just the king of the Jews. He's the king of the cosmos, of every tongue, of every tribe, of every nation. Jesus is the authority over all other authority. And so what you have here is this really spectacular demonstration of the humility of Jesus, that he could have, he could have turned his, his... In fact, he he does later on, I guess in, in John's gospel, when, when this interaction is taking place, um, Jesus starts hushing up a little bit, and Pilate says to Jesus, why don't you talk to me? Don't you know that I have the authority to release you in the authority to crucify you. He's speaking of the fact that, that Pilate does have civil authority over, over Jesus and the people in this his jurisdiction, but what he doesn't realize that Jesus is the king of the cosmos. And Jesus answers him, you would have no authority over me at all unless I had been given to you from above. Well, who's the above? It's, it's the Father, it's the Son, it's the Holy Spirit. It's Pilate is in the place that he's in because God has ordained him. Pilate has his authority because Jesus is in authority. And so it's this really mind-boggling thing, the humility of Jesus, to subject himself to uh, the human authority, the, the civil magistrates, and to go through um, the the proper channels, right, of, of having a trial, although it was an unjust trial, um, of being subjected to an unjust uh, political system or, or, or criminal system. And Jesus gets, ultimately, he, he gets bamboozled. He gets, um, he gets stabbed in the back. This legal system didn't work for Jesus because you have all of these false witnesses. You have the religious leaders who are, are, are putting their finger on the scale. They're doing all this stuff to, to get their way. And so it's just a striking moment. This is what I was struck by this morning was the humility of Jesus, that he would humble himself and ultimately, that humility goes further on, that, that he humbled himself to the point of death on a cross, Philippians speaks about. And, and so I just want to encourage you this week, as, as we move towards Good Friday, and, and we are um, viewing the cross and the events leading up to it, I, I want you to keep in mind the humility of Jesus, that the king of the cosmos, who has all authority in heaven and earth, which, which gets reinstituted at the, at the resurrection, that the God the Father then uh, re-anoints or reappoints Jesus, rather, um, to, to be the king of the cosmos, that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him. And, um, but, but in that moment, Jesus lays it down. He, he doesn't count equality with God, a thing to be grasped. He doesn't, doesn't take that station, which is actually his. Instead, he humbles himself and he humbles himself for you, for me, for us. Um, he died. And so, uh, that was something that this morning I just, I was just really pressed, um, with and, and to see that God would, would do that, that he would send a son and take on such a lowly lowly role and lowly position so that um, those who believe in him would find salvation uh, and life because he died for us. So let that be a, a bit of a uh, holy week reflection for you and, and sort of um, move move you in the direction of, of preparing your heart for Good Friday and, uh, and what's coming up ultimately with Resurrection Sunday where glory and majesty of God will abound and be on demonstration um, through the resurrection. So looking forward to seeing you guys. Good Friday, 7 p.m., Resurrection Sunday, 10 a.m. Um, bring your family, bring your friends, coworkers, 
anybody. Bring them all. Um, let them hear the good news of Jesus, that our, our biggest enemy, sin, death, and the grave, has been defeated, and Christ reigns victoriously. 